2: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Stay Hot. I'm Bladen Kirk, joined, as always, by my two favorite co-hosts of all time, in Matthew Sponauer and Theo Ash. We have a great episode planned for you all today. We're going to start off with a recap of the game that just ended, the Thursday night football matchup between the Steelers and Vikings, an absolutely great game to watch. And then we are going to hop into a segment that we have with YouTube Megastar. YouTube megastar, Rusty Bucket. Good friend of uh good friend of Matt's. Speaking of Matt, how are you today?
3: I'm doing all right. I've had to restart my computer twice because the internet keeps disconnecting. And if it happens again, yeah. I'm gonna throw it out the uh, window that I'm sitting in front of. But outside of that, very, very good.
4: All right. Theo, how are you? Well, uh, I just got done with finals. This was kind of my first day of break. Bladen, I know you're going through the same thing. Matt, you dropped I just finished out, finals so as well. You don't know anything about this grind and uh I'm doing good cuz of that. I'm, I'm ready to yeah. get going on break. You're dangerously close to dropping out yourself from what I've heard Theo. So maybe <laughs> hey, maybe don't knock it till you try it, how about? Hey, I mean, I wish I was with you, but I got to I got to get my licks in somewhere. <laughs> you know, it is what it is.
2: School school is a uh, school is an interesting place to be. But before we get into everything we want to talk about today, um Make sure you all like, leave a comment, review all the great things you've been doing to help promote this podcast on all platforms. And if you haven't yet, make sure you drop us a follow on TikTok at Stay Hot Pod for some great content there as well. And we are done with the Edge Sheeran and Hack giveaway. It's over. No all right. So the last three winners of the Edge Shear and Hack giveaway, their YouTube usernames are Carson Janess, the underscore Mexican fifty eight, and Nick Perkins. So congratulations. To you all for winning the Ed Sheeran hack giveaway. We're done with it. It's over. Um, we've been doing it for, I feel like, 10 years. And uh, I'm glad it's done. You know what else I'm glad is, or I'm, maybe I'm not glad it's done, but maybe Vikings fan are glad it's done, is the Thursday night game, which they barely they barely got out of alive, even though they were up 29 nothing.
4: Yeah, this was, a, this was a pretty normal Viking game, I'd say. Pretty typical <laughs> average game for the Vikings, giving up almost, what, a 29-point lead to an offense that with a quarterback who can't really push the ball down the field. Very strange, uh, but the Vikings can't play in a normal game. Them and the Seahawks are the two franchises who will just never play in just a normal, basic game. Something crazy has always got to happen, and tonight was no different. So it's almost a normal game. It's something you'd expect.
2: Almost a normal game for the Minnesota Vikings. They were up 29-0. And then after that, the Steelers' first touchdown drive, right? Yeah, first touchdown drive was with, they scored with two minutes and 11 seconds left in the third quarter. Damn, yeah. (laughs) And, And they had the ball with the last drive of the game. They drove all the way down. And they almost scored a touchdown. Pat Fryermuth had He's it a in nice his throw hands. By ben. Great throw, and it was almost a great catch. But Harrison Smith is that guy, and he makes a perfect play on the ball.
4: Smith is a hall of famer in my eyes, and maybe that's Easily. me just watching his whole career. No, as you're right, <laughs> being a Minnesotan and being a Packer fan, I've watched a lot of Harrison Smith. But I think that gives me good authority to say that that dude's been an elite safety. Basically every year since, I think he was drafted in 2012, 2011. So like that's God. almost a decade now. And I don't know what else he has to do, man. He's he's so good. And tonight obviously came through huge and uh, pretty much won that game for the Vikings there at the end. Um, nice was- throw by Big Ben. And he has not been all that horrible this year. He's been maybe just below average. Uh, you've been led to believe, even by this podcast a little bit, that he's just <laughs> garbage. Um, he hasn't quite been that this year, but he's certainly limited in a lot of ways.
3: I mean, Do you think he's complete? I, I kind of, I'm leaning that he's not completely done after this year. I think that if the Steelers draft a guy, because they're going to be a little bit too good to get one of the top top guys, I think there's a real possibility he sticks around another year's bridge quarterback.
4: For they uh, would have to re-sign him to another year. I think his deal is up after this year. Yeah, I just is. don't know if they're interested in that, but. Um, the other thing from this game that I'm seeing a lot of dialogue on, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but Claypool, 40 seconds left, no timeouts, um, catches a first down, it's fourth and one, big conversion, nice catch, mm-hmm. and with no timeouts and the clock running, running down, he starts striking this pose, like this elaborate first down celebration, That's awesome. and the lineman comes up and rips the ball out of his hands and is like, dude, get set, and he doesn't know where to go. Claypool's on thin ice in Pittsburgh. I mean, you can just feel it with with he requested they play music at practice and t- Tomlin seemed annoyed at him for for suggesting that. And he had a personal foul earlier in this game and you got shit like that happening. Not a p- very popular guy in Pittsburgh right now and it's like, man, that's such a freshman in high school air.
2: It is. And that, it, yeah. it sucks cuz he's a good player and he had a good game today. Like before he that first down, he made an, an insane catch down the right sideline. And, you know, it really does just suck that you can be that good and just, like, make bonehead decisions, make bonehead mistakes
3: like that. I, I, I find it a little hard to believe that they're just going to, like, throw in the towel on him because he's really talented. Yeah. Um, but I do think that that is not a fantastic look. And I'm sure if I check <laughs> Twitter right now, They'll probably agree. The thing I'm thinking from this game is like, was Zimmer done if they lost?
4: Like, if they he blew really this game. might be with a long, <laughs>
0: he was a god.
4: Yeah, with a long week, this is kind of the time, you know, when you get those extra days after after a Thursday night game, you get extra time. That would have been the time to part with him. And if it was a bad, embarrassing loss tonight, I I think he would have been done. I think he really would have been done. So. That was that was coaching for your job, Mike Zimmer, I believe, um, after that loss last week to the Lions. And um, yeah, going back to Claypool, I, Tomlin's just clearly done with him. That's my thing. Like Tomlin has got to be just fed up. And this whole year for Tom, I think Tomlin's been an incredible coach this year because they have three good. They've got Cam Hayward, TJ Watt and Deontay Johnson. And those are really the only three players who've been really good for them this year. And Big Ben doesn't even like practice half the weeks, according to Tr- Troy Aikman. He like takes Thursdays and Fridays, and Wednesdays off. And you got like just this clown Claypool celebrating when he's down thirty and there's in a hurry up drive and and all these things. It's awesome. He man. it's in, unbelievable that they're five hundred right now. <laughs> I, I think that's unbelievable.
2: Yeah, as a Browns fan, it's pretty unbelievable to me too. <laughs> you thought we could go an episode without me talking about the Browns?
0: No.
4: <laughs> yeah. Doesn't and one thing I do wonder a little bit about is is we mentioned maybe they would target a quarterback, Pittsburgh. Um but and and Pickett is a guy that they keep talking about. Kenny Pickett, because he's from Pitt. They watch him. He might be in that range where he's available to get. Um so but the thing with Pickett, and this transitions into maybe what we'll talk about next. The fake slide got banned. They ended up getting rid of that. So I thought that was maybe a little bit of an overreaction to just like totally ban it right away. And blatant are your thoughts.
2: No, I I, I totally agree. I th- I think it I think it was a complete overreaction. Um, my my thing, and a lot of people kind of agreed that it is it is a little broken, right? That you can just like fake a slide because a def a defender basically has to give themselves up. The problem yeah. <laughs> The problem is that that doesn't happen with a lot of frequency, right? If, if they didn't, like with Rod Woodson, just like bullying wide receivers, if they weren't like, yeah, you can't do that, right? Corners would just interfere all the time. They absolutely would. If you were, if you had, as an offensive lineman, if, if they didn't call holding penalties, you would hold on every single play. And they still do hold right. a lot. And there still is a lot of pass interference. But it does not like you did not have to make a rule to stop people from from doing a fake slide. How many times is someone gonna do that?
3: And how are they gonna police that? Yeah. Like, it's a weird <laughs> it's a weird one to call. It's like it, what what's the call for it? Is it like penalty on the offense, faked the slide? Yeah. What <laughs> or are they gonna just gonna <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. Are they going to review and be like, quarterback gave gave himself up
4: at the, like, is that how that works? It'll be interesting. What you're going to see is mobile quarterbacks hit like a juke, like a hezzy, and you're going to see the plane play blown dead when they try to do that, even though they yep. may not have been trying to fake a slide. You're going to see a quarterback throttle down and try to just do a juke move in the open field. And the play is going to get blown dead. And everyone's going to be like, what this, a fucking stupid rule this is. This is going oh, to be yeah. a negative
2: consequence.
4: Now what you can do as a defender, is if a quarterback does do that, just stand
3: straight up. Yeah. Just give up I on the I thought he was giving it up. Yeah. Uh, oh, and that's going to be brutal. And someone's going to be like, we lost this game because we didn't get a fake slide call we needed. The ref screwed us.
4: Yeah. It's going to be difficult yeah. to police. And the ref making refs, what should be taken out of the ref's hands. Is like ticky tack calls. Let them play. Let them play. We. I don't come to see the. And it refs.
3: Never happens. It just. It, it never happened
4: one happens. time. It happened one time. Someone. Someone brought, brought up, up like, Sam Darnold.
2: Someone brought up Sam Darnold. Have you watched Sam Darnold's fake slide? It does not even not look much. like a.
4: It, it's not much at all.
2: I first of all I, the first
4: time I watched it, I'm like, wait, where is it? Where is it? Right. <laughs> it was ex- very very subtle. So. And like even Vic, who I thought did one, like kind of a spin move fake slide uh, back in the day, I was under the impression that that was what that was, but he, he got tripped up from behind. So really that's, shout out Pickett, I guess, for, for <laughs> pulling that out of his bag, but <laughs> yeah. that's like really the first time I've seen a true blatant flakes fake slide. and And it could be, bro, I see why the potential for that is bad, but- like let it happen maybe a couple more times like if it if it starts to be a real problem then ban it but if yeah. there's going to be like an emphasis on it oh my god i could see that backfiring in a bad way if
2: it, here's my if lamar isn't doing it like no one no one's doing it,
3: <laughs> it yeah, <laughs> like, it's it's just going to cause more problems than it create or than it solves that's yes it's going to create more problems than it solves i don't think there's any other way to put it but. and you it's going to get called like one time a year at most, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. I think you could, yeah. I think
4: you could argue, uh, uh, maybe I won't say it, but like the fact that that rule probably will hinder mobile quarterbacks a little, I don't know, That's uh, the stigma there is a little bit weird to me too, like inhibiting mobile quarterbacks more than pocket passers. But uh, that, yeah. it's, there's some questionable implications there, but I won't get into it.
2: More than questionable, but I think it's about time that we introduce... Our fabulous co-host for the day and uh, YouTube superstar, Rusty Buckets. It is a pleasure to have you on the Stay How podcast, man. How are you? I'm um, all right.
5: Behind on work, but I always am, so... I say, I don't don't every day I make a list of everything I need to get done, <laughs> and I never get through the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm behind on a project by like four days, so... Tough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just finished finals, and... uh I'm exhausted.
2: I can't lie. But we have an interesting episode planned. We want to go over some NBA stuff. In particular, the first segment we want to do is contenders versus pretenders. And the way we want to do this is we're going to pitch a a few teams to you, and we want to know Mm -hmm. if you think they're pretenders or contenders.
5: Obviously, we're not going to throw like the Pistons. um, Well, (laughs) I I will say I will say I kind of have two categories for contenders, which uh, team which people might interpret the second category is just uh, pretenders. So my thing is like there's the contenders like top dogs and there's teams below that. I would not be surprised if they beat those teams, but like it's like I think there's the a second separation tier of
3: teams. They're not the number ones, but it's like if the injuries break their way, you yeah, can it's see like They're happening. not yes.
5: pretenders, but they're not my first pick either. So, I don't like, know, I don't know that I'm the best for this.
3: How about, like, instead, then we just talk about what these teams need to do to go on a playoff run yeah. or whatever what level works. of contender you think. I'm just are. saying,
5: I, I'm also just too charitable sometimes, or I feel when I was younger, I was the one who would constantly shit on teams and players. And eventually I was like, I'm just being an asshole. Am I allowed to curse? No, <laughs> oh, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah, you're all good. Yeah, go for it, man. Good, because I do that a lot. Uh, but eventually I've I kind of flipped the script to where now I'm too nice. So I'm not going to slam teams too much, but I can do the contender pretender thing. Okay.
3: Well, I think the well, first team we wanted to throw at you was uh one that you're a little bit familiar with. How are you feeling about the bulls making a playoff mm-hmm. run this year?
5: I think they're, I, I, my, my good friend, well, I guess not good friend, friend on Twitter, uh, Mark, who does a Bulls podcast, he has said a lot recently, and I agree with him, that like another like top 70-ish player added to the team, then I'll give you that. My concern is I'm a big proponent of if you don't have a superstar, your odds are extremely low. And as good as DeRozan has played this year, I don't think he's going to continue to play at that level, especially with his playoff track record. So I would put them a pretender category. I'm kind of annoyed at everyone being like, "Oh yeah, this team's going on a run." Because I'm like, keep the expectations low for now.
4: <laughs> they yeah. kind of remind me of the. They kind of remind me of the Suns, and I'm a Suns fan, and they the, went they on a title me a lot. run.
5: Remind me yeah. a lot, yeah.
4: And it's like the Suns are just so solid everywhere, and and they kind of have won with the mid range game, which is kind of rare, and that's kind of what the Bulls are doing. But obviously, the Suns last year benefited. A lot from injuries, mm-hmm. and basically any other year, you're probably not getting a son's final run. But, but I mean, I think it's possible in the sense where they kind of remind me of the Suns. Like going into the year, they kind of
5: remind me Yeah, especially me of the Suns. with, like, the addition of DeMar DeRozan unlocking a shooting guard that previously had a reputation of being a shot-chucking loser, and then now that's not the <laughs> reputation whatsoever. Uh, so it's But DeRozan's not as good as Chris Paul. He's played better than Chris Paul is or ever has on the Suns this year, but I don't expect that to hold up. He's shooting, like, almost 60% from mid-range. Like, that's not going to hold.
3: Yeah. So what do you expect from DeRozan? Do you think he's going to be like a little bit better? Because that's where I'm at. I think he'll be not as not as good as he is now, but I don't think he's going to have like the horrible playoff run. I don't he's think he's going to fold in
5: the playoffs, but I don't expect him to lead the league in scoring like he has been. And like I said, he's shooting. I think his last I looked was like 57% from 10 to 16 feet, which is one of the greatest mid-range shooting seasons that's ever been. And that's 10% better than his career average. That's not going to hold. If it does, I'd be happy to be wrong, but I don't expect it to.
4: No. I've heard some people who slander Michael Jordan, some big LeBron fans call him like if he played in the modern day, he would be Michael he'd be DeMar DeRozan with a gambling with a gambling addiction. That's that's something I've heard <laughs> about Michael Jordan. <laughs> I'm not saying that's true at all, but it is funny that once DeMar DeRozan yeah. wins the everybody's Bulls. saying? He like became Michael Jordan. So I thought that that was just a a funny thing uh, that he's MJ now. Pools are magic.
3: The other Uh, the other team um, and this one's a little bit hard to project. But they they killed the Hornets on back to back night. So that's got to speak well for them. The 76ers maybe are hard to say because we don't know how the Ben Simmons situation is going to unfold. But where do you have them? As a playoff team, because they've been great with Embiid on the court.
5: Yeah, and also Tyrese Maxey breaking out. But, well, first of all, just the Embiid being on the court thing can be a problem sometimes. Uh, But second to that, uh, I just don't believe, like, I think, you know, they do have a superstar because I would consider Joel Embiid that, even though it's harder to win with a superstar who's a big man in today's game. And I'd say the pieces around him aren't bad for sure, but I think you need one true star-level player on top of that. And I think Tyrese Maxey might be there next year, but I don't think he's quite there right now. So I would go uh, Pretender for sure.
3: That's what I think. It's like they have a lot of guys who can be good. Like you can get good Tobias Harris games or Seth Curry or Tyrese Maxey, Mm -hmm. but they do not have like the elite perimeter creator. Mm -hmm. that you need night in night out.
5: Nor ones that you can rely on on a consistent basis. Like That's the thing that I credit to the Suns most of all is that they are the most consistent basketball team that I've ever seen in my life. Every single night, you get the same shit from the Suns. Win, lose, or draw is dependent on the uh, the opponent. And you can't get a draw in basketball, but it's more fun to say (laughs) it that way.
4: How do you feel about Doc Rivers? And do you think that he's a little bit overrated as a coach like some of the dialogue
5: has been after continuous playoff failures? He might have been. I don't think he is anymore. I think people get the terms of like, obviously, he's not a great coach, but I I think he's like right middle of the pack where it's like, it's definitely a step up over Brett Brown. But also, he's not going to be like the guy who brings you to the promised land either.
3: Yeah, I, I just, I feel like with the Sixers, I mean, you look at everybody who makes a playoff run, Almost everybody, it's like, oh, they got the injury breaks, and there might not be a team less likely to have injuries go their way <laughs> than a team led by yeah. Joel Embiid. Unfortunately, yeah. um, like one one take I gave on Twitter is like, if Joel Embiid stays healthy, uh, he can he'll win an MVP, and I'll never be proven right or
5: wrong on that. Most yeah, likely, no. Well, another thing, and this is a strong take that I have that I might end up making a video on someday. I just fully believe in the modern NBA. If your best player is a big, that big has to be very, very unique, like a Jokic or a Giannis. Those are just inherently unique big men to, you know, Joel Embiid is more or less a traditional center. Like he's v- about as 90s as it gets in the modern game, even though he <laughs> shoots threes sometimes. But I think that type of player is just inherently harder to win with. And that's not the player's fault. That's just the direction that the game is has gone.
4: Yeah. Can I yeah, do you think do you think uh, that it'll get to a point where that'll kind of sw- switch back like the pendulum like do you think at one point the the three ball will be such a thing and everything will get so spread out that in the future we will see like the return of the dominant big it's man like, or do you think
5: like the cycle with cable and streaming services? <laughs> yeah, maybe a little
4: bit where it's like maybe teams just get so focused on the three they get so small ball that eventually the pendulum will shift? Or do you think the three ball is just too efficient and that just will get more and more expensive? I think
5: you could make the argument that a part of what makes that type of stuff so successful is teams and players and coaches still being stubborn about going in that direction, where it's like the push and pull of the old versus the new. But once everybody's in on the new, it's not as effective. Like It's like if everybody's special, nobody is. Um, right. but I could see that, but I feel like that's going to take like a decade before that happens. Yeah. To I me, think eventually
3: we'll get to the point because right now it's sort of like you can, if you're tall enough, you can still get in the league just to go do tall guy things. And at some point the, the game will progress where everyone absolutely has to shoot threes and mm-hmm. then we'll start teaching. Even tall guys from a young age, you absolutely have to shoot. And then maybe you start to see a switch where if they're learning to shoot early on.
5: I think that in general, big men are were kind of like destined to go away. But then these incredibly talented big men just completely got in the way of that. Like Jokic and Embiid is, are so damn good that it held back what I think otherwise was the natural evolution. If those guys didn't if those guys didn't exist, if those guys didn't come to be, then I think right now very few teams would be rolling out traditional centers, at least to the extent that they do. But it's like you have to have you have to have a guy to match that guy. You have to have a guy to match Jokic. You can't afford that. That's something we were kind of talking about in a previous episode about the NFL,
2: with just like the wet with how, especially recently with like Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, a lot of teams are going smaller with their linebackers. And now you're seeing, like, so many teams get so good at running the football. And, you know, like, Tennessee's been great. The Browns have started to lean more in that direction. Like, and even Baltimore, you just these top-tier rushing offenses. As
4: a football guy, that's what made me think of it, where, where everything is kind of cyclical in that league. And I was wondering if you kind of saw it going the same way in basketball. One more team, or we got two more, contenders or pretenders. Do you think... At any point, the Jazz can kind of break through no. and okay. win a title. <laughs> <laughs> the
5: Jazz, I love The Jazz, the- <laughs> the jazz are fast. fools gold. The Jazz are fools gold, <laughs> and I'm tired of every single goddamn year. Jazz fans, are like y'all sleeping on the Jazz. Yeah, I'm not sleeping on a second round exit. I'm I'm tired of this shit. It's not the Jazz are not real. The Jazz are a great re- – they're a team built for the regular season, and they just don't do as well in the playoffs. They don't crumble in the playoffs, but they're not it. They're not there.
3: I think they strike me as a team that's – because some, there's some teams in NBA history where you're like, they're very good, and they'll probably cap out at like – they'll make the Western Conference Finals one year with this core. They'll like find the way or they'll get the matchups just right or they'll get an injury break in one series. And ironically, if they keep just for three more years.
5: Ironically, that sounds like the eighties and nineties Utah Jazz. Yeah, I was about to say that's like what the <laughs> Jazz
4: like in their history have existed that's just, to be. It's just, just like
5: the Jazz history <laughs> is being not good enough, but still good. It's like like I I think like a Portland,
3: obviously not very similar teams, but Portland's a team where like that core is good. They're a good team, although they've
4: not been so hot this year. Um, I think it's it's because they got to change they got to change their name. The Utah Jazz is the worst like there is no jazz in Utah. They need to they need to change their name to the Rockies or the rocks they just, or the they need to the stones.
5: They just need to be more accurate to the area. Call them the Utah Mormons.
4: Yeah, Utah Mormons, <laughs> and then maybe they can get out of the. Because they're trying to be something they're not. And if they the players trying to be can't t-
5: feel like they're themselves,
4: you know, they can't be themselves. How yeah, can they play no. well?
5: Yeah, it's <laughs> exactly. it's
4: it's silly. So I think they need to change their name. They need I to rebrand. You you at, maybe m-
5: at, at max, like two players on that roster listen to jazz. And Rudy Gobert <laughs> is one of them. <laughs> Rudy
4: Gobert, I don't care. This might be a hot take. I don't know if you disagree, but like I know statistics love Rudy Gobert, and and like he wins all the Defensive Player of the Year awards. Maybe this is just because I'm a Suns fan and the Jazz are kind of our rivals, but I don't like Rudy Gobert. I don't like him, and I don't respect him.
5: <laughs> Thoughts on that? Uh, I don't know. I don't have any qualms with him personally. I'll just say... And I, I don't even know it's necessarily Rudy's fault. The thing is, the Utah Jazz defensive scheme is like, Rudy Gobert does everything. And when we saw versus the Clippers, their lack of perimeter defense kind of killed them because their defensive scheme is surrounded by, hey, let's just like not leave guys open too much. And then when they go in the paint, Rudy Gobert will fuck them up. <laughs> and the thing is, when they encounter that situation and the team doesn't account for it, That's what happens. He does fuck them up. When they play worse teams, that's what happens. But a team that knows how to coach around it, they're just going to put five shooters out there, and then the perimeter guys can't handle that, and Rudy Gobert just doesn't exist anymore. Uh, So the system is built around him alone, and then because he's alone, he gets exploited. And I don't think that's fair to him, but that's what exists in Utah. So I don't think it's inherently Rudy Gobert is just bad in the playoffs, but just the system doesn't really allow him to be good in the playoffs.
4: I'm absolutely sure you're right. I just don't like him. I just don't (laughs) don't like him.
3: (laughs) No, I feel (laughs) like that's something. And that's why they're such a good regular season team, right? Because that'll work on a night-to-night basis. You get somebody one game on like, you know, wherever, uh, and the game plan won't be as strong. But then you get somebody in a seven-game series. You got to beat them four times. They have time to make adjustments two, three times over.
5: Like the Clippers aren't going to start Marcus Morris at center in a regular season game, but they will in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. And then
3: the last team we had, um, and maybe maybe they're a little bit too high. What are they right now? Four? Uh, the Miami Heat. How do you feel about them going mm. into the playoffs or going into this year?
5: So this is what I meant by a category one and a category two. I consider them a contender. I'm still taking the Nets and the Bucks over them in the East. But I think if you told me that the Heat win a seven-game series versus either of those teams, I'm not going to be like, holy shit, how? It's definitely the underdog in that scenario, but it's not like an underdog underdog.
3: Yeah, they seem seem a little bit like an injury breakaway. I kind of think last year that they were just gassed going into the playoffs and they got kind of a bad rap. They were not that bad. Um, Mm -hmm. And honestly, them beating the Bucks and then getting whooped by the Bucks the next year uh, doesn't really 100% make sense to me. That doesn't translate entirely. Well, I know there were some changes.
5: I think the biggest change was them putting Giannis on Jimmy and the quick realization that offensively they don't have a good initiator outside of Jimmy. So that's what Kyle Lowry will hopefully account for is the offense is not entirely based around Jimmy going downhill. Once that was locked up, it's like the entire offense was in panic mode and like, sure, Goran Dragic could do something. They went to Kendrick Nunn, which is as desperate as it gets. But uh, there, was just, there just wasn't enough outside of Jimmy, whereas when you see him this year, before Bam got hurt, it was like, there's so many offensive weapons, Tyler Hero breaking out on top of that. It's like, there's just more things to go to than just, Jimmy, please save us. And the thing is, Jimmy did save them in the bubble all the way to a fucking finals appearance. But in general, uh, that was I think they relied on him too much, and not as much anymore.
3: I'm very, I think one of the most excited players I am or to watch in the playoffs is Tyler Hero. The narratives mm-hmm. around him, if he plays well, are going to be ridiculous. If he plays bad, are going
5: to be ridiculous either way. I feel like he is one of those players who is unnecessarily polarizing. Like opinions, yeah, didn't, he, opinions didn't have to be so hot on Tyler hero, but they all are. He's he's white boy of the month. He's uh, he's <laughs> I
4: don't, that's why I don't know why he's good though. I love Tyler. I love the heat team. I think like you've got so many like guys with deep playoff experience on that roster, like whether that be Lowry and just the heat cause they were in the finals. I think like once and Spolstra, I think that they're going to be really dangerous in the playoffs cause they've just got so many guys there who've, who've done it before.
3: What, what did it for Tyler Hero, it's like he started, he, in his first year, he played really well in the playoffs. And then one too many people gave the Kobe comps on yeah. Twitter. And that made people yeah. hate him. Um, Booker. Yeah, he got Booker compared to Booker. Really yeah,
4: all the time. And then he was on a Jack Harlow song and he like dated a supermodel and he just got like just a huge star just like
5: yeah both on the court and
4: off I the mean, court I mean being is... an
5: NBA player dating a supermodel is not really that big of a surprise. Yeah but didn't he
4: do it in kind of like a high profile way where he like de- he was like in her, I don't know there was there was something with that he was just like every every move he made in the bubble was like the microscope was on him and it was like very high profile mm-hmm. the way yeah. he went about this but anyway that's not important but he's too- <laughs> just it's just a pop culture, well, I've
2: Well, I wanted to, to talk, talk about you, the boy. Cleveland Cavaliers. I wanted to talk about the <laughs> Cleveland Cavaliers, but Matt and Theo said no. So we're going to make up for it in the Uh-oh. next segment where... <laughs> <laughs> what can we talk about not- the Cavs?
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I like the Cavs a lot. I like the Cavs so much. I'm so excited for their core. But in a pretender, contender section oh, not for the contenders. finals this year. They're not yeah, contenders. The, so you're setting your own Come team on, up man. for failure with that, Bladen. <laughs> I didn't want you to do that to your own team. It's not that I okay, don't want you to talk okay.
5: about the cash. I think it's very important to manage expectations, and that's yes. the case. I'm a, brown, you need to I'm a, I'm a Cleveland
2: sports fan. We don't manage expectations, ever.
5: <laughs> no. It's all in. I would think being a Cleveland sports fan would make you manage expectations from all the failure. <laughs> oh, no. We're all in all the time. Or is it because maybe there's that's so just much failure... Me. I mean, it's because there's so much failure. When you see the slightest bit of light, you just cling to yeah. it. There is yeah, no I amount of it. light that
3: is not enough for Blaine to think the Browns <laughs> are a playoff team. Ever, not once in my life. They went one in fifteen.
4: He thought they'd make the playoffs the next year. They lost all their games. Jacob, what is what is the what is the craziest team you could see winning the final? Like, what is the least likely likely team to win the mm. final, or like, like a scenario uh, that's
5: doable but the least likely? The Denver Nuggets. That, that was going to be yeah. my pick. Jokic's yeah. too good. But like the thing is, like it's kind of a cheat answer because theoretically MPJ and Jamal Murray should be back by the time the playoffs are starting. And at that point, fully, I'm a big believer in the Denver Nuggets. A fully healthy Nuggets team, I think, is as, about as good as it gets. Like fully A-tier contender. Everybody healthy. So that's kind of a cheat. Where it's like, if the, the Nuggets right now, fuck no. I don't care how good Jokic <laughs> Yo, is. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a yeah. chance. But everybody healthy, for sure. And that I don't know that I even like that answer, because everybody healthy, duh, to me. At least it's so duh to me. Let me let a me look over the other teams. Then. I'll look at the other teams. Honestly, the Utah Jazz. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like if they were to get a, a bunch of injuries,
4: I could see it if donovan um, mitchell goes i mean donovan mitchell in the playoffs historically has played pretty well so if he just yeah, went like nu- he's nuclear. he's played more than
5: pretty well i've never yeah, he's he's played, has some yeah. of the, he has some of the greatest playoff elevation that i've ever seen yes so
4: he would if he went like nuclear and like oh they scheme the answer. defense
5: up decent well i have your answer the atlanta hawks okay
4: yeah oh. yeah if their offense is cooking Trey Young has been in insanely good this year. Yeah, he's and their really, defense he's elevated again.
5: It was weird. Trey and Clint Capella both started off the season real shitty, and they just completely flipped the script, and now they're fine, but they have a little bit of an uphill battle because of how bad they started. Yeah yeah,
3: they're probably I don't know if they can get in position to have an easy series round.: Oh,
5: I don't one. think so. Even I, I mean, even so. if you
3: were like the four, or three seed in the East, it might not happen because there's good teams. It's a little bit deeper than it has been before. Um, Trey
5: could would
4: have to go like Curry mode. He'd have to be in his like just like some Steph Curry shit, and yeah. maybe it could happen. And he's capable of that. I, I'm glad, I believe he's capable. I'm of glad
5: that. he's finally hitting his threes this year because that's been the thing yes. where he takes those yes. shots. But he doesn't really make them all that much. <laughs> he, I'm getting well,
3: dangerously close. To pushing the Trey Young top ten narrative, he's not quite there yet, but he's
5: dare we I say, see a
2: lot of people already pushing that.
5: Dare we say he's in a similar tier to Dame and Kyrie? Yes, I mean I have him. I have him ranked above Kyrie. Mm. I do. Kyrie, I, Kyrie is a weird player to rank. Well, the Because like, that's the greatest player I've ever seen. And then others like whatever.
3: <laughs> the problem with Kyrie is like if you break it down category by category, you're like, well, he has like the best handles of all time. Oh, he's like the craziest finisher of all time I've ever seen. Oh, he's a crazy efficient shooter. So you're like, how is that not, you know, way better well, than Trey Young? The thing, but about the, think-
5: the, uh, the thing about the finishing with Kyrie is that he shies from contact, but. The the difficulty of his stuff all the time. Like, yeah, he puts up crazy circus shots. But if you're afraid of contact, that makes you worse as someone who drives because you're not going to get to the line like Trey Young does. Yeah. Yeah. And
3: um so I I, I think Trey Young's just a better number one than Kyrie. I mean, you've never I guess we've never really gotten that many chances to see Kyrie as a number one, yeah. but when we have, it's
4: not like we've seen him do what Trey does. I'm also impressed with Trey with the new foul rules. It was it was someone where he was someone where it was like that could really affect him because that was a lot of his game was drawing fouls. But he's maybe having the best season of his career, whereas someone like, I think, transitioning into our next guy, James Harden, has kind of faltered. And that's one thing we wanted to ask you about. Mm-hmm. Do you see him turning that around? Or like how bad has it been?
5: Well, my initial uh, reaction, because as I mentioned earlier, I'm extremely charitable with this kind of stuff. Yes. I originally went in with the angle of defending him where I was like, look, James Harden, I think like five times led the league in scoring separate. Like, if you take free throws away from everybody, led the league in scoring. So it's not as though the only way Harden scores is he gets free throws. But what I didn't take into account, and I saw brought up a few times, and eventually I caved to like, yeah, that's probably true, is while. He only gets the line like 11 free throw attempts per game in his peak. It's the way in which he manipulates the defense for the fear of him drawing fouls that results in opportunities for him that aren't resulting in fouls, but otherwise would not be there if they weren't afraid of his foul baiting. So like Ricky Rubio defending him from behind, like that kind yeah. of shit's not going to happen now. So. A lot of the way that he scored separate from actually just getting to the line was the fear of him getting to the line. So it's kind of like how a lot of Steph Curry's inside game is great because the fear of his outside game. So a lot of Harden scoring was from the fear of his fouling or him getting fouled. And that's not the fear anymore.
3: Yeah, yeah I, I kind of did the same thing with him because I and same thing with Trey Young, where people be like, "Oh, they're going to be like bad because they can't get to the line anymore and they're not going to get all these calls." I'm like, "Oh no, that's ridiculous. They're not going to be significantly worse. They'll figure it out." And Trey has, yeah. but Harden, Harden has not in the same. Yeah, way. Harden's He's also still getting,
5: very good. I mean, Harden, but, Harden's still a great player. Don't get yeah, me wrong. not but bad. He was like in the conversation for top five player in the league. He's not in that conversation right now. Yeah. <sighs> No, oh, James, I James, James, Harden. I James Harden.
2: I defended James Harden for a long time. He's been one of my favorite players in the NBA for like years. It's like oh, him, LeBron, and we'll get to the next player. Um, that I, I loved. I love James Harden, and I was I, like, I think this James guy's very like, good.
5: I can't stand watching him. <laughs> he went to I mean, ASU, he, so I can't. I, he, I, can't I say too many I, bad I things like, about
2: him. I was prepared to push a narrative that he was going to be on pace to be one of the greatest scorers of all time.
5: I mean, well, he, he is, was or was, yeah. yeah. Like he
2: he was yeah, on that
5: pace. I was like,
2: this
4: dude's gonna like break the scoring title. <laughs> there was there was a season, his MVP year, where he dropped like way more fifty point games than everyone else combined. Yeah. It was ridiculous. He he is he he was and still is just a ridiculously talented. You know guy.
5: who's an interesting player for that, like all time scoring wise, uh, Devin Booker. Yes. That is Devin yes. is probably going to is going to be way higher in all-time scoring rankings than is reflective of his actual talent. Just right. he, he doesn't shoot like, threes that much. And he just started he, with his career when he was like 20. Yeah, just cuz the average is like 26 and he's been a starter for almost all of his career. He doesn't get injured very often. He plays a ton of minutes. Uh just kind of as long as his injury track record continues to hold up, he might finish with like 30k even though he's not like that dude.
4: Yeah, it's hilarious. It was I think it was last season was the first time in his career where he hit, I can't remember the exact number, I think it was seven threes in a game. It was somewhere in like the five to seven threes in a game range. It was like crazy low what, from what you'd expect. Yeah, a, it's interesting because he like, came yeah.
5: into the league with Clay Thompson comparisons. That's just not even close to the type of player
4: that <laughs> <No>. he is. <laughs> yeah, I love D-Book, but, and as a Suns fan, I love D-Book. I love D-Book, but you're right I where... Some, some Suns fans do overrate him where they're like, he's, how can you say he's not a top 10 player? And it's like, Zach well, Levine better. <laughs> I I don't hate that take at all, even as a Suns fan, but I do love Devin Booker and I will have to kill you for saying it as
5: a Suns fan. <laughs> Statistically, the other, a um, better three point shooter, better finisher, better athlete, you know, whatever. It's okay. You're right, but please shut up. <laughs> <laughs>
3: The other of Bladen's favorite players that we wanted to talk uh, you know, about with him underperforming is uh, De'Aaron Fox. I love De'Aaron mm. Fox, man. Not had the absolute best season, or maybe hasn't had the best shooting season.
5: Yeah. Uh, well, the thing is, is so he's struggling far. to get to the rim, so that makes his shooting even worse. Where, where do you see the career projection for him going forward? I don't know. This season's so weird to me. Where like every time I look at him like surely that's gonna solve itself and there were twenty games in and it still hasn't. So I don't <laughs> I don't have a strong opinion. Uh all I know is one of their three guard tandem uh with Davion Mitchell being the new one. Like I don't think that's gonna really work long term. So one of them needs to be out. I just don't I don't know. I don't have a strong opinion on De'Aaron Fox right now.
3: And it seems like I mean, it seems like the Kings would know that they can't keep all of those guys. Mm-hmm. So, do you think they're looking to move one now, or do you think they just let them play
5: a little bit longer? I just, a I years mean, just then... let them play. I don't know. It's yeah. <laughs> they're the know. Kings.
4: Why? We can't expect them to beat the right decision. <laughs> yeah, hey, it's don't, like don't, don't I don't don't the Kings to have some Kings.
5: tactile plan? Like they're probably like fucking winging it as they have been. Hey, don't talk don't talk bad about the
2: Sacramento Kings while De'Aaron Fox is there, man.
5: Bladen is obsessed. That's stupid. Bladen is obsessed with (laughs) You should want the Kings to do well for De'Aaron Fox to do well.
2: (laughs) I I just want De'Aaron Fox to do well. (laughs) I don't really I don't don't really care care about the Kings. But if you want
5: De'Aaron Fox to have more respect and to be treated like more fans thinking he's that great, winning does that and the Kings doing better does that so well, it's he, kind of correlate. the king's success I, is his I, I success, success unless fox he's not a part would be of it
2: able, i thought the deer and fox would be able to kind of elevate and send <laughs> <laughs> don't don't mm. look at me like i'm crazy man
4: <laughs> like, mm. you're crazy I when it comes to the city of sacramento and thinking think the greatest sacramento. city in the world <laughs>
5: <laughs> I, I think he's good. I don't think he's that good. Yeah.
2: I was just hoping that he, when he came out of college, was superstar athlete, great defender. And I was like, you know, maybe, maybe in a couple of years he'll like get his shot down. And it just hasn't, just hasn't happened yet. So
4: IRP, I'm just disappointed. R- that's r- all. RIP. <laughs> Can I ask you one more question and then maybe we'll let you go? Would you pay DeAndre Ayton? The Me? max like he wants. Yeah, they uh, want, they want, he wants a five-year max deal. Would you l- let him walk or trade him or, or what would you do with that situation?
5: There's not a chance in hell I'm letting that guy go anywhere. Okay. Even if, first of all, I think fans overreact to contracts by a large margin all the time. It's not as detrimental as people act like it is. And. I think while you have Chris Paul still playing at this level, which, honestly, I think you can do for like another two, three years, I'm going all in as much as possible to make that a championship team because I think there will be a year where the iron stri- strike's hot and you get there. Uh, so even if... Also... The Suns could just simply use him more and then he's immediately worth the max. The only reason that he hasn't played like a max level player is because they don't give him the opportunity that he deserves. So yeah, I'm giving him that money. Not to mention, you're just going to be worse off as a team overall. It might be a moment where you have to overpay what is for the sake of the team overall, like overpaying Chris Middleton. It was a little bit of an overpay, but guess what? They got a fucking championship now, so who gives a shit about that? (laughs) Right. Same (laughs) Same with Holiday.
3: And that's yeah. and that's always the the question I ask on like Twitter. It's like, oh, if you guys think this is an overpay, like what would you rather do? Because if you don't pay him, you just lose him, and then people always answer is like, well, I would just pay him less. I just give him a smaller contract first.
5: <laughs> it's like, well, if someone else is gonna offer him that money, then no, you can't. That's not an option that's on the table. Like OKC yeah. is immediately offering a max contract to DeAndre Ayton when he goes into free agency. And now they have to worry about that because they made a fucking boneheaded decision.
3: And if the guy, if the guy, if the player knows that the team would be better off giving them the max than just letting them walk, then they're going to ask for the max every time. Yeah. They sometimes you just don't
5: have, bad. sometimes you just don't have the leverage and you can't get something great going for you, but it's better than just fumbling the obvious move. Sometimes yeah. fans and even fucking GMs will like try in a million IQ, something that takes zero IQ and then <laughs> it is a waste of everybody's time and makes a huge mistake. Yeah. What Pacers trades do you want to see? Uh, Sabonis to the Kings, Miles Turner to the Hornets, Karis Levert to the Mavericks.
3: Miles Turner to the Hornets <laughs> is needed desperately.
5: Yes. <laughs> it's needed I, desperately. My, my best friend, Bobby, is a Hornets fan, and he has been bitching about that center spot since we were in middle school, so <laughs> I would like to see that change. <laughs> Matt also, what about, what about Cody Zeller? <laughs> I also live. I live three hours from the Hornets arena, so I see their games all the time. I want to see a good Hornets team, and they've been good this year. But fucking Mason Plumlee is a bitch Dude, to watch. Oh my god! So I'm. I I would love <laughs> Miles Turner there, even though I love PJ Washington at small ball five. That's not sustainable, especially if you're worrying about like facing Embiid in the playoffs or something like that. Uh, Miles Turner is good and a center, and that's exactly what the Hornets need. Karis LeVert, ball handler. I want that next to Luka. uh, And Sabonis to the Kings. I feel like that makes the most sense fit-wise because Sabonis is a weird player to trade for because it's like B minus Jokic, which is a good player. But you kind of have to cater the team to him a little (laughs) bit.
3: He, yeah, he's one of those players where you have to cater the team to him, but he's right on that borderline of whether or not he's the level of player that's Yeah, it's the
5: team too. It's the thing that's like, do I build around this player, though? <laughs> but I feel like the Kings have the personnel to where there's not too much adjustment necessary. And, and we just talked about the guards.
4: Access. Yeah, they've got yeah. the guys that maybe it works for a trade for. I Give like them that.
5: Davion and a contract filler and Marvin Bagley and a first round pick or two. And I think you got the guy. Well, I,
3: I agree strongly with the, uh, miles Turner Hornets stuff. <laughs> Theo, you were going to say that I've been asking for a miles Turner Hornets trade since I've known
4: now. you, I've known you probably about a calendar year and specifically miles Turner. You have been trying to part miles Turner from the Pacers, to the Warriors, to the sure. Hornets. Fucking everybody's uh, just been w- trying
5: to trade Miles Turner for three he, years he just now. Sh- <laughs> <laughs> you just
4: don't want him. You just him on the Pacers and specifically the Hornets, but just overall, just trying to separate him from Indiana has been a constant. Beat. I
3: mean, there's there's a lot of teams he could go to that would be cool. The Hornets probably make the most sense because they need him the most. They've got like the worst defense in the league and whatever, and they had the worst centers last year and somehow they got worse. But I'd be I'd be interested to see if Miles Turner could somehow get to Portland, but. They just might not have the assets to pull that off, but if they're really, if they really want to, you know, compete with Dame, that's probably the move they'd have to make if there was one to make.
4: Portland probably should have done that this off. Like that was such an obvious problem, like for the past several off seasons, and they never changed it. So it'd be weird for them to just now be like, "We should, we should get a good interior defender." I just think they're dumb. I think Portland is.
5: Well, is the thing Portland that I wrong. hate about the Blazers is they always make. Uh all right move, and they're like, all right, job's finished. And it's like, you've been doing this for a decade now. Maybe figure out that's not enough.
3: (laughs) Yeah, they trade for Covington, and then it's like, oh, that'll fix the defense while they have, like, Carmelo Anthony and Enos Cantor
5: playing big minutes. It's not even just the defense thing. Just in general, they act (laughs) like... They they act like Robert Covington equals, all right, we're contender now. Or Larry Nance Jr. equals, all right, we're contender now. It's like, you guys are so, you guys are like a star at least away from this. Stop adding good role players and acting like you've solved the problem.
3: I think that about does it for us today.
4: Thank
5: you so much for coming on.
4: We appreciate it a lot. Great, great conversations. Love the takes. Um, come and get, Come on again anytime soon, sometime. <laughs> But I think that pretty much wraps
2: things up on our end holistically. I know we just wrapped things up with Jacob, but you know, again, thanks to him for coming on to the podcast. It was a great time. And you know, make sure you check out his YouTube, you know, Rusty Buckets. He's doing some great stuff over there. Um, as always, make sure you call him for the Stay Hot shout outs. I know a lot of you are going to be in some tough matchups this week. You know, Browns fans, we play, we play the Ravens. Um, I, I will probably be calling in to rant about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Lions, the Lions, I have a well, like a one in two trillionth chance to to make the playoffs at this point. I'm thinking about putting a dollar on it. So
4: would you get two, but anyway, you get two yeah, trillion? Anyway, Make sure you guys call dollars. for the stay
2: hot shout-outs. You know, give us a rant. Would you? Would you become a two going on the richest man matchup. alive? If as this an, bet as hits. always, tons and tons of content coming your way on all platforms. We'll be back Monday, of course, to recap week 14 of the NFL. Don't miss out on everything coming your way on all platforms. And until next time, as always, from Corn Boy, Gambling Addiction Boy, and Lemon Boy, we will catch you on the Flippity flop.